Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Yep. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. Sin of Our Fathers is brought to you by the new Barbasol Shave Club, featuring the premium Ultra 6 razor, Barbasol. I tell you guys, it's been trusted by America for nearly 100 years. It delivers a close and comfortable shave. Go ahead and go to Barbasol.com to join the Barbasol Shave Club today. Use discount code BROWNS at checkout to receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. That's money in your pocket that you wouldn't have if you didn't listen to our podcast. You would also get great premium disposable razors delivered to your house whenever you want them. It's a great deal. I don't see why you wouldn't do it. Michael, do you do it? I do it. About every other day, I use the, the Barbasol razor and the Barbasol shave cream. On the lower neck, and just to kind of clean up everything on the cheeks. I'm telling uh, you, soon, soon to be on the head. Soon, <laughs> soon to be on the head. You're, you're gonna have. I to might upgrade. be past due for that, actually. <laughs> you're gonna have to upgrade to like the 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 like biweekly deliveries. Although I don't that, know if I'm gonna go razor on that. I think it's gonna. I'm gonna go the like really like the number one on the like a buzzer, yeah. and just keep it nice and tight. So, so it's like it's not like I have no hair, but it's you know. Maybe, maybe we can Barbasol has electronic buzzers, too. They do. Oh. No, they do. I looked it up the other day. Nice. Because I know that that's a reality of mine as well yeah. in the future. We can get you one of those. Thanks. Thanks for saying that, Matthew. It means a lot. Um, so the past couple of weeks since Hard Knocks have been on, has been on, we have been recording on Tuesday nights directly after the episode. So we just watched it. Um, it's so fun. It's it just, really is it, fun. It, like it is just a blast. You don't get to see into these players' lives. You would never get this opportunity if they weren't doing hard knocks with the Browns. So I'm relishing in every moment of it. Um, there was a couple of just fantastic highlights. Um, apparently, the rookie show is something that they do every single year, where all the rookies come in and during towards the end of training camp, they create videos to make fun of other people in the organization. Um, my favorite was Baker Mayfield's um, impersonation of John Dorsey um, chewing as much gum as he possibly could fit in his mouth. He grabbed like six pieces of gum and kept putting them in his mouth the entire time. And buddy who, boy. Who calls anybody buddy boy? <laughs> like, John Dorsey does, and that's what makes it so unique and so fantastic and so easy to I impersonate. Guess, I guess it's like obviously the same person who wears that sweatshirt like with those shorts and Everything like that's the guy who. It's a pretty great opportunity to, to play for the Cleveland Browns, isn't it, buddy boy? <laughs> Better get on in here. It's a special opportunity, buddy boy. So you say that that was your favorite thing, which it was. It, that it, video like made its way out well before. Yes, and I Hard saw it Knocks, before, which was fantastic. But it was actually a different edit than I saw. It was. You're right. The one that made its way out that the Browns sent out was a little bit longer and had some different elements. There was a couple of segments that were shown on Hard Knocks that weren't on yeah. that longer version that the Browns sent out. But, you, and that video I was watching at the airport yesterday and literally standing in line to get food and was like laughing my head off <laughs> in public by myself when I watched that Baker video. In front of people. It was hilarious. <laughs> yes, it was hilarious. But I will say that the video that they did impersonating Jarvis Landry 
And <laughs> taking that to the next level was pretty hilarious. And I don't even know who that Blake wide receiver is that actually did the voiceover, but that was pretty darn funny. Well, we, so we so we don't if you have that many rookie wide receivers, it's either Ratley and Callaway's not going to be the voice. Like oh, he's too quiet. Callaway can't speak. The... You wouldn't be able to hear him. Hardly yeah. speak. But so, for those that didn't hear it, right, uh, the, they had this video. You know, everyone has probably seen the Jarvis Landry speech in front of the wide receiver room from Hard Knocks Week 1 where he was basically saying, unless you're like, can't walk, you need to, you need to be at practice. And it's contagious, and you need to be in practice. <laughs> and so, and that one was of because the... they had the veteran rest days where they were letting people take right. a rest if they wanted right. them, and Corey so Coleman took it. And... The the speech has become you know famous now, and everyone's talking about contagious, it. bro. <laughs> it's contagious. And so, this rookie receiver put a different voiceover to Jarvis Landry's video from that basically was on Hard Knocks. And he said it's contagious, like over and over again. And it like built upon itself, and it said, like if if your if your muscles pulled from the bone, I don't care. You gotta get out there and practice. That's contagious, bro. Get out there and practice. And yeah. he was like, if you if you got a broken ankle, if you got a if you got a boot on your foot, you gotta get out there and practice and there's video of like these rookie wide receivers practicing with a boot on their foot like hardly being able to walk <laughs> and then they go to two boots on the foot and they can't walk i don't care if both your legs are broken you get out there and practice it reminded me of the <laughs> that like old like youtube video of madden with was it Donald oh, Driver? Oh, yeah. Who, oh, <laughs> darren sharper <laughs> the, the hardest is hitting safety in the league though here comes Darren Sharper. With the but, gra- but guess what? Yeah, Greg, Greg Jan- Jamings. Greg Jennings. Greg Jamings. Put the team on his back, though. <laughs> I literally have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just some dude replaying his Madden highlight. And Greg Je- Greg Jennings. Yes. Um, affectionately referred to as Greg Jamings yeah. by the person commentating his YouTube video. Um, has a broken leg in the game. And you know how you can choose to still play the players in Madden? <laughs> Got it. Even if they have a broken leg, which is just absurd. So he played Greg Je- Jennings, and he threw him the ball. And it was like a at the end of the game, clock run down, no time, the, no time at all. There's like an 80-yard reception. Um, and Greg Jennings ran all the way down the field. Darren Sharper met him at the goal line. <laughs> Greg Jennings had a broken leg, and this dude was just going crazy about the fact that he got into the end zone. Through Darren Sharper. It's actually a very funny video. You we, should watch we, it, Michael. We digress. Yeah. We do. We do. What other highlights came out of Hard Knocks this week? Uh, Matthew, what was your favorite part? You know what was interesting is when, during the game, when Tyrod went down, and then you got the kind of behind the scenes of how the, mm-hmm. the like medical staff, and he's in the tent, and he's pissed because they think his shoulder's hurt. Mm-hmm. And like, like, you don't think about this. The medical team has no idea what's going on because they're on the a, sideline. And they have no angle yeah, to see what happens. When a player comes and yeah. he's just screaming in pain, and he's like, "No, you idiot! It's it's my hand. Well, it's not my shoulder." Um, and the process that they have to go through to like identify what's going on, you you think it's this big, like polished, like oh, the the best and the brightest, and they've got. They're always aware of what's going on, and 
the reality is most of the time they're just kind of like fumbling about and like figuring it out as they go. Mm-hmm. And then even when the coach came to like tell Hugh about what was going on, it it didn't seem like super official or like there was like no. a procedure. No. It just kind of seemed like He's a just goofy like... dude telling Hugh what's going on. Yeah. It does seem like rather haphazard. Yeah. Yeah. You you think there would be like lingo. Like yeah. hey Well they said to be determined. Hey we to took, you. Hey, we took number five. He's getting X rays. We'll be back in ten minutes with an update. Or something. Like but like Hugh has to ask clarifying He's questions. Like, How bad is it? Like, and the guy was like, No idea. To be determined. <laughs> no, so I don't know. That whole thing was just funny to me. It's just so great to get a picture inside what they're actually saying, what they're actually doing. Just like real, real, real reactions. Um, yeah. But I was talking about I was talking about Baker and his impersonation of John Dorsey, and I just like think about the cojones that it takes to make fun of your boss's boss um, in front of everybody. And then whenever Troy Aikman came up to him, like later on, like in the pregame of the Eagles game, yeah. he was like, hey, man, like I love that impersonation of John. Like that was great. Yeah. Hilarious. So good. And Baker was like, he hated it, man. He hated Which it. Which is funny because the video <laughs> you saw on Hard Knocks, like he was laughing pretty hysterically watching the video. It didn't seem like he hated it. I'm sure he gave him a hard time about it after yeah. the fact, but I don't think he hated it. No, I don't necessarily think so either, but I would totally think the same thing. I would have right. like second-guessed that a million times and been like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Oh, man. Baker cracks me up. Like your point about getting to see their like conversations behind the scenes. Yeah. When he goes into the huddle in the game and goes, since when do NFL teams have a drum line? And Spencer Drango goes, we don't have cheerleaders, <laughs> so, bro. So, ma- so matter of fact, Spencer Drango's like, we always have. We don't have cheerleaders. We have drum line. And Baker's like, like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Good to know, I guess. Cracks me up. And then he like calls the play. All right. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was how the best part of one of the best parts about Hard Knocks is getting everybody mic'd up during the preseason games and getting to hear their reaction. So this episode of Hard Knocks covered the Eagles and the Browns game. Before we move on, can I make one last yeah, Hard, Knocks comment? Hard Knocks thing? I know we're going to transition to the game because we've got a lot of stuff we want to talk about. I was super encouraged watching Antonio Callaway and Jarvis Landry sitting down watching film together. And it was clearly an Antonio Callaway situation where he's trying to figure things out and learn from a guy that's been in the league and been successful for a number of years. You've seen him with... What is that, Mark? I don't know. Some ad. What kind of videos you're watching? Some sort of ad. (laughs) Something about a high school, bro. No, but everybody's seen the Antonio Brown, Antonio Callaway-like friendship that was born in the offseason that they trained and did all this stuff together. It's nice to see that he is reaching out and spending that sort of time with Jarvis Landry, who is the most well-equipped receiver in the Browns receiving room. I want to know if he's moved into to Jarvis' house yet. Yeah, like that's a Todd good question, Haley. like Todd suggested. With yeah. his girlfriend and, and Jarvis's children. I would not invite Antonio Callaway in. No doubt. I, so anyways, that was encouraging. I just think that guy could be phenomenal for the Cleveland Browns if he keeps his head on straight and seeing things like him working hard and doing the extra stuff that needs to happen to be an elite NFL receiver, paying attention to the details and the little stuff is what's going to get him there. It's also interesting to me watching footage of him practicing and Hugh yelling at him to hustle, knowing that he's hurt. And then he 
didn't odd. play in the game. Like, it's odd. Like, I I guess I get not playing in the game because you're going to be going like at another like speed. Yeah. But why are we trying to make him hustle during practice? Like, like maybe you can still practice and you're kind of going seventy five percent, and that's what we're gonna get. And that's but fine. also not necessarily beneficial. Like really, yeah, like, don't like, you think you should like give people rest when they need rest, and if they're hurt, they need to get to a hundred percent before they like aggravate an injury. But I mean, I understand like the grit mentality behind it of like like in a game, yeah, you have to like. No, but that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Like I think there's value to to being present and practice and like getting to walk through reps and like the the mental aspect of it. But it was it was odd to me to see them talk about Callaway not playing the game because he's hurt, and then Hugh. Pushing him to hustle. Preaching, pushing through the injury. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree 100%. And it was a bummer not to see him in the game um, because we clearly needed – we played all sorts of wide receivers during that second half. And maybe it was a factor for – like Josh Gordon didn't play. Jarvis Landry didn't really have himself a game. Maybe it was a factor for why we only put five points up on the scoreboard. Um, but – what things stood out to you guys in the game against the Eagles? I mean, it's pretty clear that we just beat the Super Bowl champions. <laughs> That's <what laughs> the, the poor Eagles. They don't have their starting quarterback. They don't have any of their starting receivers. They yeah, like yeah. don't have their starting Somebody running backs. Like the top two running backs, actually. One of their own. Like Travis Kelsey's the only like uh, offensive Producer. weapon that they had. Yeah. And yes, we shut them out. Travis Kelsey. Oh, I said... Uh, Zach Ertz, you mean? Yeah, where did I get that? Well, so I guess they have a Kelsey. What's their their center's name? Jason. Is Jason Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who also got hurt during the game. This is what happens when we record at 11 p.m. Yeah. And I have an infant. Oh. <laughs> you keep using that excuse. <laughs> She's at least six weeks old at this point, so... Come on. That still qualifies as infant. <laughs> I'm certain. All right, keep it up. What? What yeah. are you saying? No, no, the Eagles were certainly not at full strength. But we're talking about the quarterback that they have was the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, I'm not I'm not like a Nick Foles fan, but we've yeah. we've seen him be able to do it. And we first four turnovers in the first half when he played. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean some of those fumbles from from running backs, Matt Jones is is always down for a fumble. We know that. <laughs> Oh True, but those interceptions, the pressure that we put on Nick Foles, we dominated their their offensive line. Miles um, Garrett, oh my goodness gracious! Those guys are nasty and getting after it. Yeah, no, they were. One of my favorite. That's parts, gonna be fun. Going back a little bit, one of my favorite parts of Hard Knocks was when um, Michael Kendricks was giving the report to everyone about the Eagles because he got cut by the Eagles last year and um, was talking about who had weaknesses. And he's talking about the left tackle who started Vitae. the game. Vitai. Vitai. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly for me. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his first name. Um, it's absurd. Um, but was talking about how he doesn't get his feet set and he's not confident in his feet. And Miles Garrett just abused him the entire game. The way that Miles Garrett gets off the line, the speed at which he comes off the line is like nothing else. And it's not that he's just fast. It's that he's powerful. Like, he went through Vitae multiple times. On that sack that he had, he went through Vitae on straight through. 
on uh, Gennard Avery's strip sack. It was because Miles Garrett forced him up into the pocket because he went straight through Vitae. Like, there was a, it was just so, so, so encouraging. He didn't even have a full half worth of play, and he had two sacks and that, and like multiple hurries. It was ridiculous. I, I don't know that I've intently watched a defensive end as intently as I've watched Miles Garrett, but I haven't seen play like that from anyone. It's it's, well, this it's is, hard to not just watch Miles Garrett. Yeah, like, that's what I do. Every when you're play. watching the Browns defense, it's like, oh, there's Miles. Like yeah. it's so much more fun to just watch him than try to watch collectively what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, this is coming off the week where wasn't it Greg Williams that was quoted as saying that um, there's a lot of players who wouldn't have played at all last year after suffering his injury before week one. Yeah. That that injury was worse than it was kind of made out to be because because it was Miles Garrett. Huh. And he, and he, he still missed five had, weeks. And, and he still had seven-plus sacks as a rookie yeah. playing through that. I think I think that there's a chance that the Miles Garrett we saw last year isn't, isn't even, even close, close yes. to what he can be. Sure. Oh, I think that's absolutely possible. I think Like, it's, like more than if, we've actually been giving it. Yeah. Like lending it a possibility. If what I've watched during this preseason is indicative of what he's going to do during the regular season, then absolutely yes. I this is a whole nother level, not even close. It's exciting. What do you what do you think? And How many sacks? The, How many sacks, Michael? Um, if he stays healthy, he stays healthy on the whole season, I would say we're talking at a fifteen plus sack season for sure. That's what it, yeah. I mean, that's less than one a game. 15 seconds, like, it doesn't even yeah. seem like and he's gonna, and an gonna, issue at all. There's going to be games where he gets three. Oh, for sure. You know? He and might have a five-sack game. He, like, it possible. would not shock me at all. Yeah, you put him up against a, a left tackle that doesn't move well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quick. So He's going he's gonna to destroy him. Like, it's going to be fun. So yeah. it's, really, it's really exciting to talk like this, and... I was watching him at the beginning of the game, and there were some times whenever he was playing against the run where he was completely out of position because he was trying to rush. Like, he was just trying to get outside, Mm -hmm. and we got hurt a little bit earlier on in that game um, whenever they would run to the left. Um, But whenever it's a clear running down, like whenever we're at the goal line, like, he can stop the run, too, if that is his mindset. But but there was some time, and I, I honestly don't know how how you make those decisions about like recognizing what they're about to run um, in the moment. I can't even imagine how hard that the is. The thing but. that's going to be interesting is he's going to get so much attention because of how phenomenal he is. And it's going to open up opportunities for Which Agba really and Gennard Avery and Gennard. Right. It's going to open up opportunities for Agba and Gennard Avery coming from the other side, as well as Ogan Joby and others from the inside, not to mention, Whoever Jamie Meter, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. I'm thinking more about Dyson Gre- in there. Greg Williams and whichever linebacker he chooses to bring on that particular play, since he blitzes almost every play. Well, did right. you guys see the quote from Greg Williams that Gennard Avery was the second best pass rusher on our team? Oh yeah, there's no doubt in my mind about I it. I mean, you've seen. I've, we've seen it. Yeah, 
I mean, that's ex- good. That is exciting from the value that we get from that from a fifth round pick. Like, oh, that it's is very just, exciting. That is I just, like. You know what I really like about it? I like that he's a rookie, and he's one year off of Miles Garrett's rookie deal. And that we basically get three more years of those guys rushing the passer on their for, rookie deals. Yeah, for cheap. For, for real basically cheap. Basically free from Gennaro I mean, Miles, perspective. Miles Garrett's deal is pretty rich, but nothing like what the value well, he, he brings is. If he was on the open market yeah, right now. Yeah, nothing close. I mean, that's, it's the, that's three years if, that guy, if both of those guys stay healthy. That's... Who, Miles has a fifth-year option too. Who do Phenomenal. we have? Yes. Who do we have to thank for that? That fifth, that pick is. Did you did you guys realize this? That was a fifth-round pick that we got for trading Cam Irving away to the Chiefs, mm. which turned out quite nicely. Yeah, that was Dorsey too. No, it wasn't. It was Sashi Brown. It was one of the last things that he did before he got canned. Really? Yeah. Man. Gosh, still us. It it kills me even to see Chris Hubbard wearing that number seventy four and playing right tackle. Yeah. I get like Cam Irving flashbacks. He doesn't have as much of a gut as Cam Irving did. He's yeah. a little bit leaner than Cam Irving was. But he's so anonymous. Like even through all the preseason games, even through hard knocks, I haven't even seen him. Chris Hubbard, no, hasn't even been he's I've seen his face a couple times on hard knocks. But in the games, this is a good point that he's an anonymous right tackle, which is a about good him. thing. I forget about him, and then I see him, and I'm like, oh, God, Cam Irving. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what? Well, they uh, showed those, those few clips of um, Cam Irving going directly against um, Nate Orchard. No, not Cam It's Irving. not Cam Irving. Chris Hubbard. Oh, I thought you were talking about Cam Irving. Cam Irving's on the Chiefs. What are you? <laughs> what are you? What are you talking about? Just talking. No, 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 no. Like, don't try to cover yourself up here. What are you talking about? I, I was talking about Greg Robinson. Got it. You were confusing Cam Irving yeah, and Greg I just Robinson. Said, I just said Cam Irving instead of Greg Robinson. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> we were talking about Cam Irving because that's who we traded to the Chiefs, and so we yes. to get Jannard Avery. <laughs> Oh, no, man. that makes sense. I thought you were talking about both of them at the right tackle position and how they were playing. Um, anyways, it's uh, no. I think Hubbard's actually been pretty solid on the right side. The fact that he hasn't drawn attention to himself has been a positive thing so far. I'll take. That I, I assume that Zeitler being back and playing next to him is only going to make things even better. Because Drango, Lord help him, has not been particularly solid. And now we've got Earl Wofford. Wat- Watford? Watford. I have a hard time Earl getting Watford, excited baby. about Earl Watford in How any way, shape, or form. How could you not get excited about Earl Watford? I don't know. Played for a ton. <laughs> like, what are we trying to do here? Just get guard depth? I feel like we have guard depth. We don't With have, who, we though? Don't have tackled we, we've been playing the same two guards for the entire preseason games, all three games. That's true. <laughs> What type of guard depth do you see on the Cleveland Browns roster prior to I guess Earl? I guess we could use a backup left guard. I mean, you're not gonna have you're gonna have a backup guard. But right? but that's kinda where I saw Drango. Well, I think this is like the writing on the wall that Drango's not cutting it and he's probably on the outside looking in. Maybe. But I mean Earl Watford 
is also a guy who's this is his fourth team in the last two seasons. So let's not judge our Watford. We haven't seen him yet. Oh, but if this is uh, if this is an indictment on anyone, it's Spencer Dranga. Because this guy has played tackle and he's played guard. He's a backup offensive lineman. It's exactly Spencer Drango's slot on the team. We'll see. I mean, I, they they might just cut him next week. That might be the case. But I think, if I had to guess, they like his prospects better than Spencer Drango's. I think it's just one of those things where they, they realize that they might as well take a look at a guy. Yeah. No, I, I, and that's fine. So... Going back to the game, one of the big things and the big talking points that's come out uh, after the game was how frustrated everyone was that we, like, had two massive runs and a David Njoku leap down to the one-yard line and couldn't score because we called four straight passing plays. And I've heard everything from why in the world are you passing it four times from the one-yard line to it's just preseason, like they're just trying to work things out. Like, how do you guys see this situation? Does that was that frustrating? How do you read it? The latter is exactly how I read it. Is it is just preseason, and you want to have your set plays where you can throw it into the end zone, in the red zone, close in within five yards, and you want to be able to be able to do that. You have no other time to be able to practice that against a first-team defense that's not yours, except for right now. That is a very distinct situation that you're not going to get. Might as well practice it four times. But, no, no, but, like, the run game is no different in, like, that situation. The safeties are a little bit closer, but, like, essentially for the offensive line, you're doing the exact same thing. But the routes for the wide receivers, that's not a situation you get to see of having only – 10 yards to be able to run your routes and you're running right in there to be able to do that against an entirely an NFL first team offense. It's not something you get to do. Go ahead, practice it, run the same play twice. It didn't work twice that, that much we need to know. But this is the thing in the NFL, especially everything's on film and teams are going to do their homework and know your tendencies. So if you're really trying to work on a specific play, getting it on film over and over and over again in the preseason, I don't know if it helps you. Like, like it, it maybe helps specific player execution in your evaluation of how players are doing what they're supposed to be doing in a game situation, but it doesn't actually make it like, oh, now this is our go-to play at the, at the goal line because guess what? Now you've just put on Showed everybody. A, a million times. Um, I don't care that we threw it four times, and I really don't care that we didn't score a touchdown. Like, it's a freaking preseason game. Um, I if, did if, not if like preseason. David Njoku leaping for the end zone oh, on that why not? particular play. Do it. He's a freaking like, it's a, Olympic It's a preseason high, game. It's a, he's an Olympic high jumper. That's what he does. He jumps high. He, he does that. I know, but you launch yourself into the air like that, and you're asking to get hurt. It's a preseason game, and it freaking doesn't matter. Okay. Go out at the so three-yard line instead of trying to, like... There's some them. people that are, like, injury-prone. David Njoku think, is yeah, not one of them. I don't think Njoku could He's going to be just he's, fine. He's going to hurt other people. <laughs> yeah. He's a man among men. He's not Duke Johnson. He's not made of glass. Yeah. The, the, the chief. Has, he has is the chief. Duke Johnson, always, I forgot how much he just peels himself off the turf after every oh, play. Oh, he <laughs> three, three times a game 
Duke like pretends he like he's never getting up. He literally mm. walks, stumbles off the field, and sits out for like it, like three straight plays. And is like, all right, put me back. There's down. an arm dragging, or there's like a leg <laughs> that like you feel like you can't put any weight on anything, and then he comes. And then like, he makes three plays later. later. And he comes. Yeah. He's fine. He's fine. It's a mentality thing. No, but I, but I don't care. I mean, we're we've got Carlos Hyde, we've got Nick Chubb on the roster. We're gonna run that ball in the regular season, um, especially with our offensive line kind of starting to gel. Should be strength of our team, I would think. Um, so why not try to figure out how to throw it? I mean, especially coming off the season we did last year with how many red zone interceptions we threw. Like, I- get get comfortable. Like working in tight quarters and throwing in the red zone. I think it's funny that we worked all of those routes to the receivers too. It was two to Landry, one to Ratley. Yeah, that one. That to Ratley, I'm forgetting, that one to Ratley I'm forgetting what the. Just, f- it was the Tyrod rolled out and almost oh hurt himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't actually throw it to anybody. It was surprising we didn't throw anything to a tight end or even look in that direction. It seemed in the back of the end zone. Yeah. But, uh, but that's just but, indicative but, of like we're not actually prioritizing scoring a touchdown in that I agree. situation. I agree. It's like you're not throwing a, a jump ball to Jarvis Landry twice yeah. if, if you actually are. You're trying to get that timing route down. Yeah. My take on this is in the regular season, if we do want to throw into the end zone from the red zone, we have some options, like some legitimate options. I mean, you've got Josh Gordon, oh, size no. over the top, David Njoku, You've got Jarvis Landry, who's like really good in short, quick areas. Like yep. in the slot, Jarvis Landry's real good in the red zone. And whatever you want to be doing with Duke Johnson is pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like our opportunities there in the red zone way more than I have in a long time. And, and quarterbacks and, that are and, accurate and yes. can put the ball where it needs to be. But not only that, quarterbacks that can also move into the end zone if need be. Like Tyrod is way under. Deshaun Kaiser ran a lot of touchdowns last year. He did. I'll give him credit for okay, rushing so about, the ball that's fairly about all well. I could do. So comparing to last year, yes, sure. But Tyrod it poses a threat down the field as well as being able to run the ball. He's way quicker. That's all he was whenever he came out. But now that's not what he is at all in anyone's mind. But he still can do it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That, and that's exciting. And that's way undervalued, in my opinion, in the red zone is a quarterback running the end zone. It happens more often than anything else. That's why Cam Newton's – one of the reasons why Cam Newton's so good. I'm excited. So going back to what you were saying, Matthew, um, that you just like can't show everything that you have to a team in the preseason. You're not trying to like show all the cards – so Duke Johnson said in a press conference exactly that. He said, can't show all of our cards and show all of what we're working on. Preseasons for me is just going back out there and getting my feet back under me, seeing how I feel, just making plays. We work a lot in practice, but we're not going to show everything in preseason. There's a little something to come. So <laughs> what do you just rampant – hypotheses what do you think duke johnson is saying that he's going to be doing in the offense does it mean nothing is he just talking out of his butt or i mean he's the he's the classic type of player that you don't want to get a ton of reps in the preseason because you don't want to he's susceptible to injury i think the fact that we signed him to an extension this offseason like speaks for itself he's 
one of the highest paid skill players on offense and we're going to utilize him as such. Um, I'm not worried about Duke Johnson's role in the offense. Can we take a pause? And, Mark and note just that left. Mark has peed eight times in the last I think three it's hours. literally seven times since the Hard Knocks started, and we're uh, two hours since Hard Knocks well, started. you got to send him to a doctor, man. He's 25 years old as I, of last I week. 25 yeah. years old. Yeah. As he just peed seven times in two plus hours. He might be like pre diabetic or something. <laughs> Gee whiz. Oh, man. If there's, anyone has any thoughts here, yeah. uh, let us know. Yeah. Anybody Anyways. else has experience? Yeah, Duke Johnson. I mean, I that guy that. is I legit. <laughs> I heard that. Maybe I have a prostate issue. I don't know. <laughs> I'm 25. I might might should get checked. Who, um, who knows? It's not ideal. I wish that it wasn't the way it is, but it is. <laughs> no, I'm oh, actually so really Duke, excited so, for Duke. So Duke Johnson. <laughs> so Duke Johnson. I am excited about Duke Johnson. Um, I drafted him last night in my... My fantasy league. So as a is it a PPR league? Quote, no, is not as a director's hope, but the quote reassured me a little bit. I it, am a little nervous about the distribution fantasy-wise for the Browns running backs. I not think really it's sure going to be a nice there. distribution for the Browns. Yeah. Um, keep legs fresh. Like It's going to be like difficult for opposing teams, but I don't think it's going to be, be consistent kind of fantasy-wise. Yeah. That's why as a PPR league, so Dukes I think is the – the most safe option because he'll, he'll probably catch I agree with you. two, three, four balls a game and get a couple carries and hopefully, right. hopefully get some touchdowns. Where'd you uh, land in this league last year, Matthew? I won. You won the league last, the last year. Last two years in a row. Okay. All right. Who are these scrubs you're playing with, Matthew? All my all my law school friends. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So not entire scrubs. It's great. They're good at something. They are good at something. So, Michael, you said that you wanted to, as we're coming to the end of um, training camp, obviously everyone's talking about the 53-man roster. Um, Who is going to make the team? Who's going to be the Cleveland Browns moving forward? Um, And in case you haven't been listening to our podcast consistently, we have already gone through that. We've made our predictions of who we thought were going to be the 53. Um, If you're way before training camp, though, so it's a little different. Yeah, little different flavor. But I, I honestly, I feel like it was pretty, pretty close to what my opinion of it is now. It's not, not much has changed. Um, if you're interested in who you think is going to make the offense or who we think is going to make the offense, that is episode 32. And if you're interested in who you think, who we think is going to make the defense, that's episode 35. So we went, went through all of that in intimate detail. And we don't want to do that again because we don't want to just repeat everything. Um, but we wanted to go through a couple different position groups and talk about um, who we think is going to make the team within those position groups. Um, so, Michael, who are you most interested moving in during this last week when final cuts are coming? What What is most intriguing to you? I, I There's a handful of them, and it's like one decision leads to another, and it's kind of a domino effect type situation. So... Mine's not really one position group because it kind of affects a multitude of groups. It's the situation going on with the running backs, fullbacks, and tight ends. And I look at this as there's two major injuries amongst two players that I assumed would make this team. And that's Seth DeValve, who hasn't practiced in weeks. And I really like, I think everybody likes as a tight end with athleticism can catch the ball and provide like a nice threat outside. 
Um, not much on the blocking side of things, but like as a pass receiving tight end, way better than Devin Kajus. Way better than Kajus. <laughs> There's not a Does chance anyone think Kajus makes the team. No. There is a chance if like there's something really bad with DeValve that we don't know about, but I think that's the only situation he makes the team. But the DeValve thing's interesting because I don't know how close he is to being able to play. The early indications were that he'd be a, out a couple days, and it's been a few weeks. So who knows what's going on there. Also, the Maybe only fullback we have rostered right now is Dan Vitale, and he's been hurt for a couple weeks. So I did I didn't know really how much the Steelers have employed a fullback because we're running Todd Haley's offense now. And evidently they have had a fullback for the last few years. And so and I also know how important Dan Vitale is to our special teams. So I tend to think that if he's in a place where he's going to be able to play by week 1, he's going to make the team. But all of these decisions like affect the other because you might keep an extra tight end like a Devin Kajust if you're going to move on from a Dan Vitale. You might make different but decisions. And then you're with I'm the wondering backs. With the running backs, we're keeping three running backs, right? But maybe you keep four if you want Matthew Days for special teams. And that's what I'm saying. Like Depending on how many of those you keep, like those three positions are all very closely tied together. And I'm not sure how it's going to shake out. And the injuries cloud it. The Matthew Days things cloud it. And I have to say, I really want Matthew Days to get cut just so <laughs> that Nick Chubb can take his, his number. That's like the one thing I really care about. I want Nick Chubb to wear 27. He looks weird in 31 to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like 31. Um, so if you had to pick which players are on the 53. Yeah, I go three running backs. So that's Hyde, um, Chubb, and Duke Johnson. I go um, with the fullback. I keep um, Dan Vitale, and then I go with three tight ends. And DeVal I go included? DeVal, Fels, and Njoku. I just don't know what Kajust brings you. Like Special teams, for here, sure. Here's the thing. Even, it, even if Seth DeValve can't go, go sign somebody else. <laughs> like, it, no, that like, very well is like... like I, you know, I haven't seen anything from Kajust really in preseason games or in hard knocks. That he's made some good think. catches and like some good he has, plays. He's after made the catch. some. He's made some good plays. He in played the receiver games. He played a lot of receiver at Stanford. So like he's clearly like a pass catching tight end that is wildly lost when trying to like play in line and block as a tight end. I just think you don't like which is just that not what he we likes need. Crystals. That's the problem for you. <laughs> is that he's there was this huge segment in Hard Knocks. Devin Kajus is super into crystals. Very weird. Matthew was against it. I don't Very think big I was against, against it as much <laughs> as you were. But no, what was funny to me is how like snarky, like <laughs> like the pr- production of it was in the commentary. Like they're like rookies <laughs> will cling to anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make the roster. And he's like, yeah. these are my crystals that I worship. <laughs> Seriously, who writes the script for Hard Knocks that they like? Because there, there's a clear like anti-crystal agenda. On, on this one. Well, let, let um, me just say, I have I, an anti-crystal agenda too. Yeah, I don't think Kajus makes... I don't think he's going to make it. There's, I just can't see it. People have said, though, there, there, have been, there has been talk of um, 
set the valve getting cut. And Maybe. that's absolutely ridiculous to me. I don't think that's like even within the realm of possibility. I mean, I, it could happen, especially if he's not healthy, but not for Kajust's sake. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just don't think you cut a guy like that that you've got another two years on his rookie deal that has shown some promise as a player. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't know that he's the ideal third tight end given that he's kind of limited and isn't a good blocker. But, but you've got a good blocking juice, tight end so. in Darren Fells. Like, do you need two good blocking tight yeah, ends? Yeah, but maybe you want Njoku's somebody who's like, more all around, or I don't know. I mean, Njoku is a decent blocker, not a good blocker. And Fells is a good blocker. And Seth Valve is like kind of the pure pass catcher. We cut Allen today, the, the other tight end. What is Seth DeValve's injury? Oh, Julian Allen? Yeah. What what is the official report on Seth DeValve's injury? What it? It's a good question. I think it's, it's a, a calf. Qu- it's a quad. It's a quad. Injury. Anyways, um, I don't think it's much of a question. So, Mark, what is your position that you're paying special attention to? Well, I'm just interested how the offensive line shakes out because we talked about this new signing of Earl Watford, and it's interesting to think that we just signed him and then we're just gonna like. There's a chance that we see how he plays out and then immediately cut him, but specifically. Sean Coleman, because personally, I want Sean Coleman to make the team. Why? Um, because I think he has potential. Like, I don't think that he's monstrously messed anything up yet. Um, and he wasn't a high draft pick, and he's got the size, and he's shown that he can produce. He hasn't been crazy effective, but, like, I, I don't necessarily, like, want Greg Robinson over Sean Coleman. I don't disagree with you. And, and, like, I just, like, think Sean Coleman has the drive and Greg Robinson doesn't. And I think that that's, like, a line that's going to be drawn in the sand. What makes you say that, though? I don't know if I agree with that statement. Like, how do you – how are you making the assessment that Gr- Sean Coleman has the drive and Greg Robinson doesn't? Because – well, I mean, that's that's fair. Just everything that I've heard about Greg Robinson is that he – is a bust first round draft pick that can't stay on a team that like clearly, clearly that's it. That's exactly what he is, but like clearly has the potential, but doesn't care enough to actually do anything about it. But wipe the slate clean on the history of either player. And Greg Robinson has more tools than Sean Coleman does. So I don't, I think if you like just throw away the past history on either one of the guys, I think you like the potential of Greg Robinson more than you like the potential of Sean Coleman. Yeah, and I, I also like the potential. Greg of, I also like the potential of Josh Allen more than I like the potential of any of the other quarterbacks in the draft. But that's not how you make decisions whenever you're building a football team. When you're talking about depth on a football team, it's different than talking about your future franchise quarterback. Like I, I get your point. I get your point about the Josh Allen, but it is different when you're talking about a starting quarterback that you're gonna like hang your hat on versus depth that could potentially help your team down the line on the offensive line. Cause we're not talking about a starter with either one of these players. No, you're, you're not wrong. And, but I do appreciate the fact that I think Greg Robinson can play inside, outside. He can play guard. He can play tackle. Either one doesn't matter. Sean Coleman in theory can do the same thing, but Greg Robinson I, has done it more. 
I just think I, I don't know what's going on inside the building, but it is really interesting and curious to me that he was handed the keys to the left tackle position, didn't take advantage of it, showed that he wasn't able to handle it, and now isn't even really a second-team offensive lineman. Like, they have, like, way demoted the guy. I don't know if he didn't show enough, like, effort, drive, like, couldn't pick up stuff, wasn't, like, actually putting stuff into practice that the coaches were giving him. But it is, like, a crazy run that we were talking earlier this spring. Joe Thomas was talking up Sean Coleman's ability to step in as a left tackle capably, and now he's, like, the third-team right tackle in our preseason games. So it's ha- it's almost hard for me to envision him making the team at this point with the type of attention the coaching staff's giving him. I don't know what to think of it. Yeah, one other factor, and something that's exciting about the offensive line, um, is that Kevin Zeitler is going to be back, which is great because... Huge. We no won't, Drango. We won't have Drango there at that right guard spot anymore. Um, we'll have Zeitler, who proved himself very effective last year. Um, yeah, good, so who but do you, not so, as good as he should have been, to be perfectly clear, on Kevin Zeitler. He has a lot to prove in my book. All right, fair enough. He can um, run block, but I'm sure not he's, sure he's going to lose sleep over that. No, no he's not, not <laughs> he does not care not what Michael Kuhn has to say about his ability. And yeah. I'd much rather him on the field than anyone else we have at right guard. So. so, so Matthew, who do you think we keep on the offensive line? The offensive line? By the time uh, all the cuts are said and done, like who, like who do you think is like the first one out, last one in? Um, first one out, last one in. I don't really know what that means. I think, I think we keep the, last one out, the first starters. One in. Either I, way. I think we keep Sean Coleman over Greg Robinson. Uh, what? I, th- I think you're going to have the history, and I, he's still more of a, a raw project. And frankly, Sean Coleman has played better than Greg Robinson on the field during NFL like action. Like I, I know that this camp hasn't been great, and Sean Coleman hasn't proved, but he was a serviceable right tackle. Greg Robinson's been awful when he's on the field. For the Rams, he was awful. They've also played they different positions in the times that they've played on the field in the NFL. So it's a little bit hard to equate the two things because Greg Robinson was thrown in right away and asked to play left tackle, and Sean Coleman's only like real time on the field has been at right tackle. The 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 only thing that would that gives Greg Robinson maybe a slight edge mm-hmm. is that he does have left tackle experience, and and we don't have other players on the roster who do. Yeah. You know, um, you could you could talk about putting Corbett over there. You could talk about putting Sean Coleman over there. You, I guess you'd go back to Drago. Um, but, like, if, if something would happen to Petonio, you, you need a player who can step in and, and play left tackle. And um, I mean, we could put Coleman over there. and he'll, He would be a body. But, well. There's also Desmond Harrison. Yeah, Desmond Harrison. I, I like him. I don't. I don't really know what to expect. So, so from him. So you say Coleman. Okay, go through your list though. You say Coleman over Robinson. So Robinson, your book gets cut. Yeah, um, I think we keep Ryder. I think we keep Drango. 
And I think we probably keep Desmond Harrison. So new guy gets cut. Who's the new guy? Oh, Watford? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I don't think Earl Watford's worth worth a damn. See, I, I, I don't know anything about him. I'm not even going to. I just don't know why we sign him if, if like, we don't think he has a legitimate chance to unseat Drango. I mean, you're not, you're not giving him any. He maybe has a legitimate chance, but you're not giving him any guaranteed money. Like you're you're not hurting yourself by signing him. There's yeah. there's no downside. Like bring him in. He's been around the league. See if he's better than some of the guys you got. If not, move on. I don't think he's going to be. So, so Harrison or no? Yeah. Okay. No, I think he's the I think he's the ninth, and I I think you keep him around because he's he's a, a project for the future. And I think that if you would try to sneak him on your practice squad, you probably won't be able to. Probably won't be able to. And the the beauty of Harrison, if he develops into a left tackle in the NFL, say a year or two from now, move Batonio back to back to left guard, plug and him at cut left tackle. Ties with and, Zeitler. And yeah. Yep. And now Corbett's your right you, guard. You have some options as as far as moving these pieces around. Um, which I think is really important at the offensive line, which makes sense that they Signed Watford, that he's played multiple positions. So That's, it's Robinson. just going to be interesting so to is me. Robinson, though, it's like yeah, there's a lot of guys that can play multiple things, and I'm interested to see what wins out because I think there's a bunch of different ways that these backups could be pieced together on the offensive line. I have to say, I think if Joel Batonio steps in and is a good. As it's seeming, he's going to be left tackle. He's been for our good team. in he's those two preseason games. He has been good. Like I don't think that there's a more valuable player on our team than Joel Batonio. Like that is absurd yeah. for how good he's been the past couple of years at he's left good. guard to just slide over there and then just start being good at left tackle in a league where left tackles are not a dime a dozen. How much does Sean Coleman hate him? <laughs> <laughs> I tried like, so dang it, hard. You make me look so bad. <laughs> I played this. Oh yeah, that is that is so true. Oh, it's got to be kind of embarrassing. So Matthew, what is your position group that you're most interested in um, talking about as we get down to the final fifty-three? Yeah, I think I think it's the linebackers for me because we've got six that everybody feels really pretty good about keeping. Um, but I think if you keep all six, it'll especially with Jannard Avery and the skill set that he has. He is a linebacker, but he, he really is kind of a, a pass rusher more than anything else. So that impacts the defensive end choices with Nate Orchard. and um, I think Carl, Orchard's out. There's Carl no Nassif way in the world that Nate Orchard makes this team. Chris Smith, yeah. But I, mean, I think a Chris Smith might get sacrificed because of a Jannard Avery and we keep a James Burgess. Yeah. I don't like James I mean, Burgess. we can keep... 10 D linemen too. Mhm. We if we keep 6 I don't know. We'd have to have to go back and do the math. Um it but it gets tight, but I think Jannard Avery kind of opens up some options because he is a linebacker, played middle linebacker at Memphis, but Greg Williams this week said he was the second best pass rusher on our team. Obviously, which is what we've care. seen in uh, preseason. Yeah. So bringing him in on third downs is going to be killer. So, so I like seeing that. Um, if a linebacker gets cut, it's going to be James Burgess. Yeah. He's, he's the only one who I, I can't see us cutting Michael Kendricks. He's played well. Definitely. We're not, not cutting Schobert. We can't cut Collins or Kirksey for financial reasons. Yeah. So it would have to be Burgess. 
Um, which, I mean, I'm not going to like cry about. But uh, he's a solid. Uh, he's NFL a solid player. player. Like he's he deserves at- to be on a team. And so if it's not us, he'll he'll find a spot. Sure. Uh, but I think we're probably a better. T- I'd rather have Burgess on our roster than Nate Orchard. Hundred percent. I mean, I know they have different skill sets, and you kind of have to like choose players based on what your team needs. But if we're just in a vacuum, I'd rather have Burgess. I'd be interested to see how many snaps Burgess has played on special teams. I think he plays special teams. That's that's going to be his ticket. Yeah. I mean, like here, here. Here's a question. I'm completely delving off topic because you're talking about the defensive lineman, but Chad Thomas. Like I can what, still am mad we, about that draft. What do we even? Every time I hear his name, I just get angry. What do we even? It's almost do a second round that? draft pick. It was the first pick of the third round, and we took Chad Thomas. I, I mean, he's going to make the team this year, and then Who he's going to have to earn it after that. I hope he doesn't make the team <clears throat> this year. No, I'd be perfectly okay with it. But I mean, who we don't? He's playing a hybrid kind of like interior. He's a DN technically, but that he's plays really inside. playing inside on passing downs, right? Yeah, and he's not doing any of it well. I mean, who's? Let's go through our D line right now, though. I mean, we've got we're Derek. gonna pick up interior defensive line help. There's no doubt in my mind that who is announced as our like final defensive line on the 53 man roster after we make cuts is not going to be it because they need help on the interior defensive line. I think we've got four that are that are fine. On the interior? Caleb Brantley being being one of them. Well, Trevon Coley's back at camp now. So Coley, okay, Coley Brantley, Meter, and, and Ogunjobi. Ogunjobi. I think those guys make the team, yes. Yes. I mean, I think that's And then team. no one else. Yes. That's fine. On the interior. Who's it going to be? There's no one else to make the team. Jeremy. Unless you call Chad Thomas an interior defensive lineman, and the only reason he's making it is because he was the third round pick, and you got to give him a chance. Yeah. And then, <sighs> anyways, that's got to give him a chance. I hope. I hope. And I've heard some other people talk about this too. Aaron Donald. No, I. I hope. <laughs> I wouldn't hate seeing the Browns do something like. We've talked about how linebacker isn't even that important of a position in the way that the NFL is played today with how many wide receivers are on the field and how often you're playing nickel. Like, you really shouldn't have three wide receiver, three linebackers on the field all the time like Greg Williams has tended to do with the Browns. We got so, lots of depth at linebacker. We have all this depth at linebacker. Everyone's calling for a trade. No one is realistic to trade. Like, there's no one that's realistic. The only person you could trade is Burgess. Because he's young, like someone could take him. It's not a big cap hit to take him. Everyone else is either a big cap hit or he's too valuable for the Browns. Like, Schobert is on a rookie contract and he made the Pro Bowl last year. You're not going to trade that guy. There's I, I actually, like, if we got a, a decent return for Joe Schobert, Schobert I, I wouldn't be... Would you rather trade Schobert or Kirksey? I'd rather trade Kirksey. I'd rather trade Schobert. Schobert. I, I'm not actually a huge believer in Joe Schobert, and so if we could get like a, a decent piece back. Like, what's a decent piece, though, to you? Somebody who would come in and be in our top three interior D-line rotation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think I would love to see the Browns make a pre-cut trade for uh, us giving up a linebacker to get a solid interior defensive lineman. I'm fine with it. That's I would love to see that happen, but I'm not so sure that's in the cards for John Dorsey. 
If it was Sashi, I would feel pretty confident that something like that would happen. Wheeling and dealing. If only. <sighs> okay, Nor- if, okay, Dorsey's if more only. interested in, in, in signing those kind of washed up vet types. He's the exact laid, opposite. Laid in the, laid Here's in the a, he, did, he did not sign Des Bryant. Made him an offer, though. Made him an offer. One year, five million is what it's being reported. Well, that's like the offers that we made all of these scrub cornerbacks that we have. So I would be all right with. What's going to happen with, with Kerry? He's, he's looked terrible. Absolutely. So is he's EJ got, Gaines. He's got to make the team. Terrible. EJ Gaines is hurt. EJ right. Kerry is a big deal. Yeah, he got like $38 million. Uh, I think it's like uh, 12, 15 guaranteed or something. But Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Yes. Yeah. He's looked bad. I contend that the second best cornerback on our team, maybe the best, is Brian Body Calhoun. At any, like, I know you guys are saying that like, he's the slot guy, and he is our slot guy because he's great at that. But I think that he could play outside just as well as any of these other guys, and I don't see why we don't throw him out there. And Brian Body Calhoun was picked up this week, two years ago, after the Jags cut him at the end of camp. We signed him the week before week one. Great. Great news. Just a little nugget. I mean, like, those are the type of guys, like, you can find diamonds in the rough that are, like, key contributors yeah. into the future. Here's the – so just looked it up. We could cut TJ Carey. It's only a, a $5.6 million cap hit. I mean, that's big, but, but – With the space that we have right now, it's not going to really matter this year or next year. But not – It just – It's a hit it's on not, this year. It's, it's just a, yeah. dead money this year, and yeah. then it's washed, right? Yeah. It's not like the twelve or like thirteen million dollar like guaranteed that I that I thought it was. He, he's an interesting case because it wouldn't completely shock me if a guy like Jeremiah McKinnon, who made some awesome plays in the preseason game this week, made <laughs> made the team ahead of like him or EJ Gaines, who's only on a one year deal and is banged up. Yeah, might as like, well look towards look to the future. I mean. Is it Denzel Rice is the name of that other corner that's played a, a decent bit? It's got the longer hair and mm-hmm. plays in the slot. Um, there's some he, options. He had a really good play. He's had some good. Game. He's had some good plays. Jeremiah McKinnon was the one that really stood out to me in this last game when he shielded that defender on the sideline, and he made another big one somewhere else too. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it, there's a lot of interesting decisions, but they're all. The good news is all of these decisions, we're talking about depth on the back end. We're not talking about, like, we desperately need this as, like, a starter. Like, we don't have, like, viable players to step in and start. So I think that's positive. For You're, you're not wrong, except for, I think, defensive tackle, because the starting defensive tackles aren't as important as the starting other positions because the defensive tackles rotate so much. And I don't think we have enough defensive tackles to – continually it's so bizarre. barring injury because you can't like it's just not like those players rotate in and out constantly we need we need more it's so bizarre defensive, defensive tackle is i think the one position that hasn't changed from last year like going into the season last year danny shelton well yeah we had danny shelton so we got 
we got rid of a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. But these are the same the same guys. That, but that's the that difference we is we got about. rid of Danny Shelton, so we have less depth. I mean, that's basically it. But I mean, we didn't go into last season thinking, "Oh man, we're <laughs> we're loaded at defensive tackle," and oh. then we just made it worse. Well, we had no idea who Trayvon Coley was, or hadn't seen Caleb Brantley in a game. Like Trayvon Coley, it's very much so overproduced from what we thought he was going to do. But yes, I understand what you're saying. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about our wide receivers. Specifically about Josh Gordon coming back. Obviously, that's a huge storyline um, that we haven't hit on. And in Hard Knocks, they barely hit on it at all. They showed him in the first couple of minutes and then didn't talk about it at all. When do you guys think Josh Gordon starts hitting the practice field? When do you think that uh, Hugh Jackson said that he's not going to start week one? Um, whatever. Whatever. Uh, do you think he plays? Do, do you think he plays the second play of week one? All he's got to like, do is just get pulled over with a roach in his car, and he'll be on the field every single play. <laughs> that's, that's the play. <laughs> he's being punished. That's right. <laughs> Punish me, coach. Punish me. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, Josh Gordon is going to play plenty of snaps in week one, and I'm not worried about that. When he practices is an interesting thing to me because uh, they're saying he tweaked a hamstring and they're trying to like be careful with it. So hopefully that doesn't linger throughout the season, but I I think we're going to be just fine. The I'm thing not is, worried about it. That's the thing all I'm is, saying. preseason game number four, I mean, it's not exactly the time you're going to get out on the field and get in sync with your quarterback. Yeah, that's when you rest all of your real Tyrod wasn't really ever going to play week four, even before the wrist injury, and now he's officially been ruled out um, and isn't playing. Even though he's healthy, he could play. But <clears throat> So I don't think it's a, that big a deal that he's not playing. I'd like to see him out there. But um, Gordon will be fine. I think he'll get back to the practice field uh, the end of this week, hopefully, and then get about two weeks practice in before before week one hit, yep. hit the ground going torch joe hayden that oh, would man. be amazing that I well do love, i don't i do I love, love joe but he dropped yeah, off he did and i lied to myself about it for a while that it wasn't true <laughs> the, the, like, i really did beforehand yeah i really did <laughs> that's we what we do. tend that's what we tend to do yeah uh, Tell that's, yourself whatever narrative makes you feel good. Steelers that's what you have to do as a Browns fan. Yeah, that Steelers secondary ain't good. So no. we could be a could be a fun day. No, they're not. And we talked about that. This the week one matchup with the Steelers is going to matter leaps and bounds for how the rest of the season goes. Like if we lose week one, if we get blown out week one, I don't think good things are to follow for this team. But if we win, like the the sky's the limit. Oh, it's I completely agree with you. It's a huge swing game. The outcome of that game will make a huge difference on the outcome of the rest of the season. And think about even last season. We were like a crazy Antonio Brown catch away from winning that game. That game. Against the Steelers in and week then one you last have Big year. Big Ben in a press conference. It was like that team's gonna win <laughs> that team's gonna win a lot of games this year. Direct quote, Big Ben last year at the beginning of the season. How funny is that? <laughs> It's true. <laughs> like, he was like, that's a very talented team. It is. No, it absolutely is true. And everybody was like, you know what? 
he's right. <laughs> and then everybody felt like a dumbass. Hilarious. Yeah, you're not wrong. Oh, my gosh. All right. I can't wait for real football. It's happening. We're going to win week one. I feel it. That's my prediction. I'm I mean, calling it now. So I think week next one week, victory for the Browns. Next week, Mark, I want to know all of the games you think the Browns are going to win. We're probably going to do some record predictions, mm-hmm. call out those specific wins. How many times? How many times have we done that? None this season. Not game I don't by know. game. Yeah, you're right. We haven't gone game by game, but we have said what we think our record is going to be at least three well, times. It, it evolves. It but does it, evolve. It changes. But this is before you knew about Kajust. Yeah. <laughs> And, and the crystals. A, that is a heat. The we've crystals got, are. We've got a crystal so power. But moon. If we, We're going to get energy from the moon. But if we cut him, will that energy work against us? Ooh. That is what I'm afraid Especially of. Maybe that's why we have to keep him on the <laughs> so, roster. The bad juju. Bad kajuju. Yeah. Can't have it. Um, so, yes, we'll talk about that all to come. Michael just declared that we're going to decide how many games we're going to win next week on the podcast. It's going to be the season finale of Hard Knocks, um, so I'm sure it will be a good showing. Be sure to tune in next week. And as always, please um, follow us on Twitter, comment, like, share, retweet. Um, Be sure to shave with Barbasol. And if you're going to shave with Barbasol, I don't see why you wouldn't just join the Barbasol Shave Club. Um, Because if, if you shave all the time or if you don't shave at all it doesn't matter you can set the intervals that you get your razors shipped to you you can select for convenient refill intervals of one two or four months um however many times you shave say you're just trimming up your neck or if you're shaving your whole face and your head like michael needs to start trying to do Mm -hmm. um and you need two different packages a month that is just fine just let them know and you can save two dollars if you sign up now discount code browns you only get that offer from here at the Center of Our Fathers podcast. Um, and be sure to tell your friends about that, too. They can save $2 on Barbasol Shave Club. Mark, where do you sign up with that discount code, Browns? That is at Barbasol.com. Barbasol.com, you can sign up for the Barbasol Shave Club, and you can start saving money tomorrow. Please do it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And be sure to... Um, Leave a comment on our wherever you get your podcast. Comment, like, review. Um, thank you so much for listening, especially to our London listeners. You guys have a great night. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.